are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Uh, it's good to be with you all up at the mills. And for anyone that's listening online, you didn't get to see that video, but uh, we're talking about uh, small group signups today. And um, beginning this season, I have felt impressed by God to say, you know, I think it's time that we get stretched. This morning, all over uh, the stadiums in our country, there are athletes that are stretching right now. They are uh, bending and flexing and trying to stretch their joints and their muscles, getting ready for the big games. And, um, you know, as uh, if you've read my article in the small group catalog, I referred to this whole thought. And I want to expound on that a little bit today. My body's not as flexible as it used to be. Everybody who can identify that will say, yes, yeah. I, I, we have uh, some friends with little kids. I don't have any grandkids yet, but when I'm with little grandkids, little babies, little infants and toddlers, and I see the way they can bend, how malleable they are, they're like little gumbies. They can just bend in every direction, and uh, it's just amazing. They squat, they stand effortlessly, they bend and twist in all directions, and little kids can do endless somersaults and cartwheels and they play, and I wonder, was I ever that malleable? Was I ever that flexible? I just can't imagine that I was. It, it takes me more effort now to do things that I never had to think about doing before. And uh, sadly, sadly, it's just not going to get better at this stage of life. I mean, my golf swing is going to get shorter as time goes on, and my shoehorn's going to get longer because it's harder to bend over. And uh, you know as well as I do that as we age, our, our joints wear down, our muscles tighten, and our bones become more brittle. But the same is true with our faith. Our faith can sometimes become more brittle as we grow older. We, we take fewer risks. We embrace less change. We tend to live more in the past. And our steps of faith are more shuffles than they are leaps. And I don't believe that that is just limited to chronological age. I have known older Christians who are very young in their faith. I mean, they take mission trips. They'll fund a new ministry. They'll volunteer. They'll get involved. They'll share their faith. They'll pray for people. They'll, they'll be very young in their faith and believing God is just as active in their life today as ever before. <clears throat> and I, I've known young believers who have early onset spiritual arthritis. They're all about protecting what they got. They're all about, you know, how to, how to preserve themselves from any pain or any discomfort. And when I think about the idea, the concept of faith, I think that faith always involves a stretch. Now, yeah, you've heard about the stretch of faith, meaning that's not believable. And I do believe that at the core of faith, there is always a step of faith. There's always a leap of faith. But I'm talking about true faith. When I look at Jesus and the faith that Jesus taught, it was always stretching people to believe more, to go beyond, to, to, to think differently, to act differently than they would have. It stretches them in so many ways. One day Jesus was questioned, I'm going to talk about this in just a little bit, uh, by John's disciples of why his disciples weren't fasting as much as them. And Jesus used two metaphors. 
in Matthew's gospel, he says, a new patch sewn onto an old garment will pull away from the old garment, causing it a greater tear. And new wine poured into new wineskins will cause the old wineskins to burst. And the point that he's making is this. He says that God is doing something new and it will do you well to flex your faith in order to embrace it. And so the the question really of the day is this. How has your faith stretched you recently? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being a spiritual state of rigor mortis and 10 being a spiritual Olympic gymnast, how would you rate yourself in terms of the flexibility of your faith? As we face this new season as a church, I believe God's challenging us as a community of people to flex our faith. And that's why we've chosen this theme of stretch. Because I look at scripture from Abraham, and we're going we're gonna to look at Abraham over the next several weeks. But from Abraham to the book of Acts to Revelation, God is always calling his people to do things beyond their comfort zone. To strain toward what is ahead. And that's what Paul's whole emphasis was. I strain toward what is ahead. And I just believe that God wants to do great things. God wants to do new things. But God is looking for people that are flexible. People that are able to be stretched. And I want to be one of those people. And I'll admit that the older I get, even as a believer in faith, sometimes it gets hard. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to expound a little bit on those thoughts. And I want to take a look at Paul's passage in Philippians. I want to take a look at Jesus there in John's gospel. And just touch on Abraham. And then uh, we'll bring it to a conclusion. But let's take a look at what Paul was saying. In Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, turn there, please. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to just take a look at verses 10 to 14. Uh, But as you're turning there, let me just give you an idea. Um, Let's think about Paul at this time that he's writing this. Our best estimates is Paul was in his 50s. I'm in my 50s. Paul was writing while under arrest, waiting trial in Rome. He was house arrest. He had some abilities to communicate. It wasn't a dungeon at that point when he's writing the prison epistles. And Paul, if you remember his story, it was about 25 years earlier. He, he was this zealous Jewish uh, uh, persecutor of Christians. I mean, he was all about preserving Judaism. He was not about to flex his belief in how he was raised by uh, the, the rabbi that he followed to believe. He was pretty firm in that. And then God knocked him off his high horse, literally on the road to Damascus, where he was going to persecute more Christians in Damascus, Syria. And God stretched him to believe the message of Jesus, who was resurrected. Jesus, who he was persecuting those followers. Now Jesus, in in this vision, appeared to him. And it was like, oh, wow, now I believe. And he transformed. His life was transformed. And, And he went from a persecutor of Christians who are still at that point a sect of Judaism to God stretched him to reach out to even non-Jews and he became the apostle to the to the non-Jewish world to the Greeks and to the Romans I mean talk about a stretch in Paul's life and so for 25 years he he was absorbed in this whole new belief of 
Jesus, the resurrection and the power of the resurrection and how Jesus's unconditional love was being offered to all people, not just the Jewish people. And you didn't have to become uh, fully Im- Im- uh, Im- embedded in Jewish traditions in order to be a-, a Christ follower. And he was just breaking down walls after walls after walls. He went on three missionary journeys. He went through what is today known as Turkey, Asia Minor, a couple times and reached out into Greece. And then he finds himself here in Rome after he was arrested when he went back to Jerusalem and he appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. And there he was writing these things. Now, after, after the writing of this, uh, most, most scholars believe that Paul was released from this original imprisonment and he went on another brief missionary journey. And then when he came back to Rome, it was during Nero, the emperor's reign, and Nero was a, a maniacal leader, and, and whenever he wanted to do a building project in Rome and burn down the rabble there, he lit the city on fire, is the theory. He had it, had it lit, and then he used Christians as the scapegoat. And that's the reason for the persecution against Christians, because they were the minority people, and minorities are always the scapegoat. And so Paul was eventually beheaded about maybe less than 10 years after he wrote this. I say all that because in Paul writing to the Philippians, he is reminding them of his teaching. He's warning them of false teachers. He is instructing them on how to live rightly as followers of Jesus. And here in Philippians chapter 3, he's defending his teaching over the the legalists, the Jewish people that were trying to get these Christian converts to really convert to Judaism and to practice the rite of circumcision and to obey all the strict legalistic uh, laws that they had. And so he's defending his teaching against them and he's writing to them. And he, 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 he talks about his stellar Jewish resume and said, if anybody has a right to, to be able to uh, proclaim the truth, he did. And he was kind of doing that as in tongue in cheek. But then he tells them that he looks at all of that Jewish pedigree that he had. And he says, I consider it all garbage. It's just a bunch of dung, he said, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and being right before God is not based upon obedience to traditions and the law, but through faith in Christ alone. And and that brings us to the text, Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. Uh, and here he is. He's, he's been following Jesus for 25 years. He has gone throughout the world proclaiming Jesus, starting churches, sacrificing his life. He had been arrested. He had been beaten. He had been persecuted. He had, he had gone through all kinds of suffering. And he says, still, I still want to know Jesus. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And I still want to know him and sharing in his suffering so that I could become like him. And then he says, not that I've already attained all of this. I've already arrived at my goal. He said, no, he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and here's the key verse. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind Stretching forward to the things that are before, 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm still stretching. I might be coming down the home stretch, but I am still straining toward that finish line. And I get the image of athletes, you know, when they're sprinting and they get to the finish line, how they, how they stretch forward to cross it. And I'm thinking, Paul, man, I am not going to stop. He was, according to the lifespans of that time, he was an old man. I mean, 50s, you know, the lifespan wasn't probably any much more than that back then. And, you know, he could have said, folks, I've done my part. I've, I've, I've sacrificed, I've volunteered, I gave, I've, sa- I've done all of this, and now it's time, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to retire if I get out of this prison, and I'm going to go up to Tuscany, and I'm going to get a little vineyard, and I'm going to tend the vines, and, and I'm going to just relax, because I've done it all. He could have done that, but No. He says, when I get out of this, I'm going to keep going forward. He's always asking, what's next, Lord? What's next? At every stage of his life, every challenge, every painful and hard situation that he went through, it, it wasn't, oh, why me, Lord? Look at what I'm doing for you, God. Why do you allow all these bad things to happen to me? Boy, God, I wouldn't believe, I don't think I can believe in a God who would allow me to suffer because I gave my life to him and now life is so hard. I never see Paul going through a pity party because of the sacrifices that he made for his faith. And yet today I see so many Christians who as soon as times get difficult, well, I don't believe in God anymore. Life's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And Jesus gave his life for you. Do you think he would have taken the easy route for you? Come on. Come on. I want to be stretched. God, he he doesn't say, why me, Lord? He says, yes, Lord. Now I understand what you went through. Now I know what it was like for you to suffer for me. Now I understand what sacrifice means. Now I know how you endured so much so that I can be forgiven. Jesus, I want to know you more. Bring it on. Bring it on. Stretch me. Use me. I'm telling you, that's a whole different way of looking at faith as what most American Western Christianity does these days. Faith is all about what you can get from God by giving the less and getting the most, like what we expect out of politics these days. I don't want to give anything, but I want to get everything. We do the same thing with God. I don't want to give anything, but I want God to give everything. And if he doesn't give me, then I'm going to be mad at him, like I'm mad at whoever doesn't give me what I want. We're so self-centered. And Paul's saying, no, I want to be stretched. I want to be used. I want to be God. Who do you want me to be? Paul's always leaning in. So here's my point. We're never too old to be stretched by God. We're never too old. You can always get to know Jesus better. There's always more of Jesus that we can learn. There's always people that Jesus would love for you to minister to. There's always someone near you that Jesus could use you to bless. And that's that's what it means to follow Jesus, to be stretched by Jesus. And, you know, young people, when Jesus truly gets a hold of somebody who's young, 
He will stretch them and their life will be different. And he will shape them and change the course of their life. There's so many, I'm so blessed to be at a church for as long as we have been, for 25 years. And I've seen, I've seen young people grow into adulthood. And yes, some of them don't make it in their faith. But it's so rewarding when I see young people who are stepping out in faith. They go into their adulthood years. I want to go and get learn. I want to get trained. I want to go to Bible college. I want to go learn a career. And I want to be able to use whatever gifts and abilities and talents that God's given me. And I want to take this and I want to have it incorporated into my faith in such a way that God will use me to be the blessing that I believe God wants me to be. I'm willing to be stretched. And then Jesus, the, the verse I referred to earlier, and, uh, you know, the story there, it's, it's in a couple of the Gospels, but, but there in Matthew's Gospel, you know, John the Baptist. Now, you remember John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was a forerunner to Jesus. John the Baptist, this prophetic calling sin, sin, and naming names. John the Baptist was, was, was a hardcore preacher pointing out uh, in his message, calling people to repentance, you better turn or burn kind of messages that he would preach, his fiery brand of preaching, calling the, the, the populace to repentance, the corruption of, the, of, of Herod and the political leaders and the religious leaders and naming their sins. And people were believing and coming out and saying, we're wrong. God is right. I need to get right with God. And, and so... John the Baptist had disciples also who were, who were following him, and they were adhering to the strict devotion of the Jewish faith that they were still a part of, and, and fasting, and the Pharisees were people that were calling people to this hardcore, pure uh, uh, lifestyles that they would name. That's why it was so legalistic, because they would give you all these ways to do it, and and then J- Jesus comes along and the d- disciples of Jesus were not obeying such a strict rules as these people were. And so they're asking Jesus, how come they're not and we are? Even though John the Baptist pointed to you as the one that was going to follow him and they pointed to you as, as greater than him and whose sandals I, I'm not even worthy to latch. And, and so, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out in their heads, John we're, we love John's message. We're following John. But here's Jesus and John's pointing to him. And he's not asking the same things that we're doing. And, and Jesus uses the metaphor of, uh, of a wedding feast. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? Speaking of himself, he says, I'm the bridegroom. It's a wedding. We're celebrating. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they'll fast. And then he goes on and says, I read it earlier, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch would tear away from the garment and a worse hole is made. Neither do people put a wine into an old wine skin or else the skins would burst and the wine will be spilled and the skins ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wine skins and both are preserved. And, and what Jesus was doing here was he was stretching their idea of spirituality. You see, John the Baptist called out the sins of the people in order to get them to repent. And Jesus called people to befriend him and follow him. And he forgave them, and then they were able to repent. You get, you get the difference? One's the horse and one's the cart. Which is which? Is it, 
we repent and then we are forgiven or we are forgiven and then we repent. Now, Jesus calls people to repent. I'm not minimizing the term or the need for repentance. But without Jesus' grace and forgiveness in our life, we can't truly repent. And so Jesus welcomes these people and he calls them to follow him. And I think the point is that Jesus wants to stretch your idea of spirituality. Repentance is the goal, but the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. And Jesus offers forgiveness to anyone who would believe, no matter how ugly their background, no matter what a mess of their life they have made, no matter what they have endured or gone through. Jesus is calling the prostitutes, and he's calling the tax collectors, who were the worst sinners of their day, the traitors. He's calling... Uh, you know, these people forgiving the adulterer and, and, and challenging her to go and sin no more. And, 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 and he's setting people free to walk out of their darkness and into the light. To walk out of their darkness and into the light. He says, you're forgiven. Therefore, repent. Turn. Let Jesus stretch you to your greatest good. Let Jesus take you to places that you didn't think you could go. He can do that. He can do that. This concept of stretch and faith, it's throughout Scripture. And then there's Abraham, and I want to conclude with this real quickly. And I'm going to start here next week. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And notice the stretches here in Abraham's call. It's go. Get get away. Go out of your comfort zone. Leave your home and go. It is to be blessed by God. Let God bless you, but then be a blessing to others. And so let me just conclude by asking the question. If there was an area of your life that needed to be stretched... And maybe many areas of our lives need to be stretched. But if there was an area of your life that needed to be stretched, how do you think God would want to stretch you? What would that look like? What would that look like? Is is it to believe that God truly can forgive you and you truly can be forgiven and you truly can walk free from the bondage, the addiction, the sin that has you bound? Is it, is it hard for you to believe that you can do it? Maybe God's stretching you to believe and stretch your, your idea of spirituality. Because so many people says, well, when I get my life together, then I'll come to church. When I have all my fun over with, then I'll be miserable and sit in a pew. You know. <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe that's... But no, Jesus is saying no. And that's, you got it backwards. Maybe, maybe you're being stretched to believe that God would love you so much that he would send his son to die for you. And you just got to believe that Jesus does see incredible worth and value in you. Maybe you're needing to be stretched to believe that Jesus believes that for other people too. 
Yeah, he loves me, but he hates those people because I hate them. And maybe Jesus is saying, no, no, maybe you need to be stretched. Maybe you need to think a little more about God's perspective on other people that aren't like you. Maybe you, you need to be stretched to forgive, to forgive an offense. Because, man, it's hard carrying around that hurt, that burden, that anger. And maybe, maybe you need to be stretched to forgive or to give, to give of your time, to give of your, your treasures, to give of your talents. Maybe it's being stretched to give. I, maybe you're being stretched to fight for a worthy cause, to fight for justice in some, some cause, some worthy cause, but to do it in a godly way. Maybe you're being stretched to accept a very painful diagnosis or to say goodbye to a loved one, to endure disappointments. I don't know, but faith stretches us, does it not? Can you see how faith stretches us in so many ways? God wants to stretch us. And, and, and I'm like, God, put me on the racks. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. I think as a church, God is stretching us. I think God wants us to believe for another harvest of people coming to faith in Jesus. I don't want to be an enclosed community of people that are just sort of concerned about each other. And no, we are. And we want to have a community that cares for one another. I think that's very attractive, and I want to feed that and foster that. But that can eventually sort of evolve into a nice social club. God forbid that we would be that as a church. I, I, I don't want that. I, I want a church that's saying, God, I believe that there are people out there that need healing. I believe there are people out there that need their minds renewed. They need their bodies touched. I believe there are so many prodigal sons and daughters that just are looking for a home that they can come back to. I, I'm believing that, that, that faith and people needs to be renewed and our commitment to Jesus needs to be upped a bit. That's, I'm believing for that. We're being stretched. We're, we're, we're starting, if you were here last week, uh, and many weren't because of the holiday, uh, we are rolling out, and last night was the first night of our new ministry to um, post-high post school students and young adults called The Table. And uh, they met for the first time last night at Parkside every Saturday night, a ministry to this age group. That You know, we have great children's ministries, we have great student ministries, and we have a great adult ministries, but there's always in most churches these days this missing link and so they're calling it the table because the metaphor is it's the table between. It's the table between your home dinner table when you were growing up and the table between the table that you will have when you have your own home as you become an adult. There, there needs to be a gathering place for us around the table in between. And so we've started this ministry and uh, 
uh, Mike Evans, Jeremy Reif, several other people are, are on the core team. And last night they met a great group of people. So we're going to run the van down to the universities to uh, bring some of our students that are down there and their friends. And so we're being stretched to start a new ministry. One thing I'm praying about and talking with people about and something that I just see on the horizon, although it's one of those things where God's calling, but I have no idea what it will look like, is a ministry to Hispanics. I think in this side of Pittsburgh, I don't know of any existing ministry to the minority community that's here, but we rarely see those Hispanics who are in the area that need a place of worship. We have spaces that are available, the mills here, and, and I'm lo- I would love for us to be able to have a Hispanic ministry of sorts for these folks that are working in our homes and working in the communities and many of them working on Sundays. I'd love to have something for them. I, I really am, am, am praying that we could, could, could raise the funds. We have, we have come a long way with our Parkside facilities. That's up and running. It couldn't have been any better in, in what we've expected. It's wonderful, and we're managing the mortgage, and we're handling all of that. But it's time that we upgrade this facility, and I'm praying that we can do that so on a Sunday morning we can all be facing the same direction, and, and we're able to have this flat floor for our children on Wednesday nights. I really believe that we need to just get this place ready for the next harvest that God wants to bring and into the future. That, that's, and we need a little financial miracle for that to happen. I'm praying for that, that we can, we can do that next summer. I don't know if we'll be able to, but I'm hoping and praying for that. Small groups, you see that in so many ways. I could go on and on and on. I believe God is stretching us. In fact, there's another small group that just got added on Thursday nights up at the mills, and it's a small group for parents of addicts. It's a small group where there's no judgment, there's no a place where people can come and just deal with the, 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 uh, the pain and the, and the processing, the agony of family members, spouses, parents, children, uh, people that are dealing with, with addiction, and, and on and on. I'm going to ask David to get ready up at the mills to pray in just a moment, and, uh, and I want you to bow your heads, if you would, with me, please. You'll notice I'm wearing a blue wristband, and David and some of the other staff are wearing these blue wristbands, and, and they have the word stretch on them. I know you're bowing your heads, but trust me, if you're lo- you can peek. <laughs> you can peek. Okay, you can peek. Pick up one of these when you sign up today for a small group, or if you're going out the door, grab one, and put these on as a reminder. Now you can bow your heads. I wonder if you're here this morning and you just sense the Spirit of God speaking to you and and God saying, it's time to be stretched. I blessed you and I want to stretch you. And I wonder if you're here and you can say, yes, me, Lord, I want to be stretched. I want to be stretched. I want to be stretched. I'm ready to take a step of faith. I want to be more than just a Sunday Christian. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I'm going to ask David if he would pray for the people at the mills at this time. (coughs) 
God, I, I pray here. And I just wonder, everyone that's here that says, okay, pastor, I resonate with those scriptures and that concept. Pastor, I, I, I need to be stretched. If that's you, would you just stretch your hand up to God? Say, yes, that's me. Just stretch it up. Say, God, that's me. I need to be stretched. I want to be stretched. I want to be stretched. I can't imagine what God is thinking right now when he sees all our hands being raised to him. I, I, I think, oh, this is what I would need. This is what I want. God, we don't know what it looks like, but when we are stretched by you, it's always for our good and the good of others. So God, whatever changes need to be made, we invite you by the power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Stretch us. Stretch us. May we be used for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.